Often, the difference between making a rash decision and the right decision is just a matter of moments. Breaking habits is much easier when we learn to pause, assess, and then plan before we act. Even a pause of just a few moments can help us regain control. Hi, welcome to Your Great Journey. Each week, we offer you brief tips, techniques, and insights to help you move in positive directions and master big change. For more information, please visit yourgreatjourney.com. Your Great Journey is brought to you by audiobook publisher Wetware Media. Wetware Media publishes a wide variety of personal transformation audiobooks available from any major online audiobook retailer. For more information, please visit wetwaremedia.com. That's W-E-T-W-A-R-E-M-E-D-I-A dot com. Today, we're sharing an excerpt from the audiobook, The Little Book of Big Change, The No-Willpower Approach to Breaking Any Habit, written by psychologist Amy Johnson. No matter what your bad habit is, you have the power to change it. Dr. Johnson draws on a powerful combination of neuroscience and spirituality to illustrate a profound truth. You are not your habits. Your mental patterns are the result of simple brain wiring that can easily be changed. In this episode, Dr. Johnson discusses the power of the pause when it comes to breaking your bad habits. She shares that there are two different types of pauses, and when you master them, they'll be your greatest allies in breaking habits once and for all. If you want to create change with a focused, effective plan, then this excerpt will help. You'll see that you have the most power when you train yourself to pause before acting. There is power in the pause. Pausing before you act can change everything. Let's look at two types of pause. The first is the pause taken consciously and purposely. When you feel an urge rising up, or you find yourself engaging in behaviors that tend to precede your habit, you decide to pause before you do anything more. You may not have perfect success each and every time, but perfection is irrelevant. Intending to pause will surely lead to more pausing than not even trying, and even imperfect, occasional pausing will keep you from acting on some urges. The other kind of pause tends to occur more naturally and effortlessly, almost by default. When you see something deeper about the urges you experience, leading you to view them as habitual thought rather than meaningful or powerful messages, you pause automatically. This type of pause feels like it happens for you rather than by you. When you are deeply aware that your urges aren't you, acting on them isn't as compelling. You simply find yourself jumping into action far less. It would make no more sense to act on your every thought than it would to jump on every bus that passes your house. You will effortlessly find yourself letting those buses, the ones that take you toward your habit or anywhere you don't want to go, for that matter, pass you by. Of course, these are two ends of a spectrum, and your pause in any given moment may feel somewhere in the middle. Any type of pause is excellent. You might pause more deliberately at first and then find over time that it is becoming more natural and automatic. 
All that matters is that you wait and make sure you're getting on the bus that takes you where you want to go. Pause first, whatever that pause looks like, and you'll find yourself acting on urges far less. The Choice Point Marianne had been a compulsive collector for the better part of 17 years. Initially, she had some interest in the things she was collecting, antique spoons, a particular type of collectible doll, vintage jewelry. But Marianne told me in our initial coaching session that the sense of collecting being a hobby faded after the first few years, and collecting began to feel more like a compulsion. Rather than being a source of joy, it turned into something she did in response to strong urges. She began doing her habits solely to make the urges go away. It is worth noting that Marianne's habit of collecting things began after a particularly rough period in her life. The first antique spoons she acquired were family heirlooms that she had received after the sudden death of both of her parents. For a while, collecting those spoons, and then other things, were associated with Marianne's past and her attempt to keep it alive in some way. Throughout this audiobook, I've stressed that habits are the result of thought. They are impersonal and temporary human experience. I've argued that we can come to see our habit and urges in a new way, and that that insight itself can completely change things, with no particular requirement to first look for and resolve complex emotional issues. Once a habit is formed, it can be viewed as a series of habitual thoughts that feel uncomfortable and look dangerous or meaningful. It is also true that habits are our best attempt to feel good like ourselves again. They often begin because we aren't comfortable in our skin in some way and because we have feelings or thoughts that we do not want to face. Habits are excellent distractions from inner experiences we don't like, and as I've said many times, they provide helpful information, a reminder that we should step back and allow our mind to naturally quiet. So although I feel that the best way to initially treat a habit is as a series of impersonal thoughts that appear real, that doesn't mean that as Marianne's coach, I would ignore the fact that her habit began for emotional reasons. Marianne and I talked about the thoughts that led her to begin collecting. We talked about her sense that continuing to collect was in some way keeping her past alive for her. In this particular case, those discussions were extremely helpful in giving Marianne a full picture of how her habit started. But just because her habit started as a way of helping her feel better when her feelings were low, that doesn't mean that any unhappiness she feels is a serious issue that only her habit can fix. Now that Marianne sees the truth about her innate peace of mind, that when she's feeling low, she's only feeling her thinking in that moment rather than a more stable life problem, she is better equipped to dismiss any urges that might arise when she is in a low mood. She can grieve the loss of her parents in any way she needs to, and she can also recognize and dismiss her urges to collect things she doesn't want. Ultimately, she can step back when she senses the feelings associated with an urge rather than jump into action. Our work together was always about helping Marianne see the source of her suffering and the truth about her innate health and resilience. 
When she saw that her suffering came from old thoughts about her parents and from taking her urges as meaningful truth that had to be obeyed, those thoughts and urges felt less gripping. As they loosened their grasp on her, Marianne suddenly had some choice in which thoughts she wanted to act on and which she wanted to dismiss. After we spent some time working together and once Marianne had learned the ideas I've been sharing in this audiobook, Marianne's urges to add to her collections felt less consuming and overwhelming. She rarely felt hijacked by urges the way she once had, but the urges hadn't completely gone away. She still experienced occasional strong urges and frequent weaker ones, though she was learning to see the truth about them more clearly and to act on them less. As she grew increasingly aware of her urges and less intimidated by them, Marianne noticed a choice point. She saw that there was a moment when she was experiencing an urge, but had not yet acted on it, when a window seemed to open up. This was a relatively small window of time in which she had the ability to make a choice, to obey or not to obey. The truth is that any moment can be a choice point, no matter where you are in the life cycle of an urge or how far you've stepped into actually acting out your habit, you can have a moment of clarity. It's not uncommon to recognize one or more choice points in hindsight. Looking back, you might remember a one or two second pause before you launched into your habit. You might recall asking yourself if you were actually going to go through with it. Personally, I can remember many times when I was driving to buy food when my wisdom would speak up, saying, Just go home. You don't have to go through with this. But because I didn't yet realize that the urge would fade on its own if I turned around and went home, those voices felt taunting. It was a pipe dream to think I could actually change course mid-urge. Now, however, I see that it only felt that way because of how I was relating to the urge. Because I believed that the urge was meaningful, powerful, and would only go away if I binged, I shot my own wisdom down as soon as it came up. Any thought that suggests that you don't need to obey your urge is inner wisdom. I find it incredible that in the middle of a strong urge, with all of that confusing, swirling thought spinning around, wisdom still peeks through. That speaks to your resilience. You are fueled by wisdom. It is what you are, your true nature, underneath your moment-to-moment -moment thinking. Any little break in that rush of thought is an opportunity for wisdom to shine through. Sometimes you follow wisdom and sometimes turn away from it. All that truly matters is that you see that wisdom is there for you. The more you learn to rely on it, the more you will naturally find yourself guided by it. It is often easier to notice your choice point and take a pause when there is some space between you and your urges. That space comes from having seen a new truth about urges and sometimes also from having begun to dismiss them. When Marianne stopped acting on all of her urges, she gained that space, an awareness of herself and her situation, and that allowed her to become increasingly aware of her choice point between when her urge began and when she acted on it. She could pause, listen to wisdom, and make a choice in that moment if she chose to. Luckily for Marianne, she did choose to pause, and her habit quickly began to retreat. 
Thanks for listening to this excerpt from the audiobook, The Little Book of Big Change, The No-Willpower Approach to Breaking Any Habit. You can purchase the complete audiobook from any major online audiobook retailer. If you'd like more information, please visit yourgreatjourney.com. Please be sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And if you like the show, please rate and review it. And please, share it with friends who might also enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Your Great Journey is brought to you by audiobook publisher Wetware Media. Wetware Media publishes a wide variety of personal transformation audiobooks available from any major online audiobook retailer. For more information, please visit wetwaremedia.com. That's W-E-T-W-A-R-E-M-E-D-I-A dot com.